You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It's Thursday, August 19th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Busy, 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 busy day. We'll get right to it. We have an interview coming up with Brian Christofferson, covers Nebraska for 24-7 Sports. Yeah, we're definitely asking him about that report that dropped Wednesday morning. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network on the NCAA investigation of Nebraska for an impermissible use of analysts and consultants and also unauthorized organized workouts off campus during COVID shutdown uh, at the apparent direction and knowledge of Nebraska's strength and conditioning staff. What really makes all of this so interesting is that we're only a few months removed from Tennessee essentially leaking similar infractions, not like not totally similar uh, recruiting related, but leaking similar infractions, we believe to avoid paying Jimmy, Jeremy Pruitt's hefty buyout once they realized after a year or two that, yes, yeah, this, this isn't going to work for us and Coach Pruitt. Nebraska, many people believe, is at a similar crossroads with Scott Frost. The buyout's $20 million. That's a lot of money. That's not a palatable amount of money to pay ever as a buyout, especially coming off a pandemic. So that would that would make some sense if you're a conspiracy theorist. And, and truthfully, I, I thought the similar thing uh, most of the day Wednesday, but Brian Christofferson, he's not he's not feeling that. So he's going to tell you why he's not feeling that uh, in just a second. The other big news of the day, our own Josh Pate sourced up. Josh Pate cited Georgia sources at Darnell Washington, who's their tight end, and Tyke Smith, their nickelback transfer from West Virginia, was the number nine transfer in 24-7 Sports' top 150, are each expected to miss three to four weeks minimum with foot injuries sustained in practice. Very unlikely to be available versus Clemson. I, I called Jake Rowe of, of Dogs 24-7, who we've had on several times here, and I was like, Jake, how bad is this? I don't want to oversell it. He's like, look, on its own, Darnell Washington caught seven passes last year, and Tyke Smith has worked his way into the starting lineup yet because the scheme is a little bit different than what he ran at West Virginia, which was zone-based. So yeah, let's not Sky is falling for Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith. But when you add it up to what else has been happening for Georgia, George Pickens had the ACL in the spring. Eric Gilbert's status is questionable at best. You've got receivers like Jermaine Burton banged up. Kyrus Jackson banged up. Uh, Dominic Blaylock, another receiver, has not been cleared yet. You've got another receiver, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, I believe that's how you say it, had a brutal leg injury against Florida. He's apparently back, but I mean, what are you, get, what are you getting from him? So, and then there's offensive line questions too that apparently you know, trying new guys out at center that, and that's what I've gathered from the Dogs 24-7 practice report. So the Georgia attrition situation ahead of that game versus Clemson, the game of the year. It's it's not good right now if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan and you're just crossing your fingers that they can get through the next few weeks of practice without anything else because at this point we don't really know like who's number two for JT Daniels? Who's your number two target? And and the defense, the, the secondary, they, they've still got Darren Kendrick. They've got a lot of young players back there, such as Keely Ringo. But that's a secondary that replaces everybody. And Tyke Smith was, even if he wasn't starting by week one, was at least going to contribute heavily against a Clemson team that you know is going to try to throw the ball a ton because they probably won't be able to run it very well with a bad offensive line interior-wise against a defensive front for Georgia that is exceptional. So very busy day in college football. Let's talk to Brian Christofferson about Scott Frost, new AD Trev Alberts, and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Brian Christofferson joins us right now. Brian, you've, you've had quite the day. You're telling me... Nebraska has been open up as far as practices go. So you were there 
when Scott Frost and Trev Alberts addressed the recent report by Brett McMurphy and the allegations, the violations. Give us your airplane view of everything going on right now and fill in all the details. And then we'll just, we'll, we'll discuss a few questions I have about it. Yeah, I was there. Thanks for having me on. It was pretty brief what Trev Alberts and Scott Frost said today, in part because the investigation is ongoing with the NCAA. All Trev Alberts said is that we're complying with it. And I can't say a lot beyond that. So we do know that, you know, Trev Alberts just got in that seat not very long ago. And this investigation predates his arrival. And he became aware of it after it started. I did think it was notable that, you know, he stood up there with Frost and they, 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 they got out in front. And, and even though they didn't say a lot, they, they were saying, yes, this is, this is an issue that's out there and we're dealing with it. And, and then they had coaches and players come up and sort of it was, it was business as usual because they have a game in 10 days. My take is on the surface, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. And I know there's some big opinions outside our bubble about what it means and you know if there's some buyout scheme at play or something. I could be naive. I don't think that's what's happening. I just think it was a deal where, you know, did Nebraska use an extra analyst for a practice or something like that? Was there a workout that shouldn't have been? It's sort of that type of subject matter. So I don't know how much meat is on the bone yet. So I can't, I can't say that there's nothing going on, but my initial reaction is also not one of that this is going to be a, a showstopper when it's all said and done. The reason I was leaning toward this being a Tennessee situation in which I, I covered this with Wes Rucker feels like years ago. It was only a few months ago though. Jeremy Pruitt headed toward a bad direction. The, the trend line's pointing down, uncovered some violations, leak it out and voila, you're not paying a big buyout. Scott Frost buyouts, $20 million. I don't know. I don't know, Brian, like the, the leaking, the leaking by possibly, I, I guess to your point, the leaking that seems to have been done is done by two people no longer with the program rather than inside the program. Because Red McMurphy mentioned those two guys in the article. Like it seems pretty clear that something is is up in, as far as they leaked this. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I can't say that for sure. I I don't know that that both were involved in a leak. Uh, Jonathan Rutledge was the special teams analyst, and he was let go in uh, January. Their special teams were not good last year, and so. It was based off of, at least as Nebraska said, on-field performance. And that's pretty believable to people around here because it wasn't good. So they had to, they needed to go a different direction with special teams. So, I mean, there's a lot of speculation, as there always is in these deals, about who leaked it. But that's the thing. If, it, if it's somebody who was a coach, you know, that, that left and they, they leaked out some info about something... That's a very plausible storyline, but that's that's way different than somebody that's currently within the your regime, you know, leaking it because they they have some big, uh, you know, power play scheme mm. at hand. I don't think that's the case here. I, I don't. I, I feel pretty confident in it, too. I, I, I think there's a misread on Nebraska's situation, and I understand why, because there's a lot of people who are like, you're Nebraska football, you're, you're you know. You're 12 and 20 in the first three years there. This has got to be like a now or never year. And people are, they need to see progress. Don't get me wrong. But there is also sort of within this area a feeling that it's been this feeling since Scott got here that he's the guy who needs to turn this around and he's going to get a long runway to do that. 
And I've always felt, and I think it's a pretty popular thought with a lot of people who cover this team closely and even the fan base, is that there's at least a couple more years through 22 at least where Frost has a chance to get this plane lifted and in the right direction. And, you know, maybe if you pile up some bad headlines and stuff like this, you know, maybe that changes. Everything's always fluid in college sports. I mean, there's guys who every year we are set in the off season to be on the hot seat and then they have a good year and they're not, or there's guys who you thought were fine. And suddenly, you know, in October, we're talking about what's going to happen to them. So, I mean, that's, that's just the nature of college football. So at a place like Nebraska with the results they've had, there was already big pressure on this season to get it turning the right way. I don't think it was the make or break year yet, but it's, it's getting that point where, come on, let's see something. And uh, you know, certainly (laughs) stuff like this, uh, doesn't help <laughs> as you're yeah. trying to, uh, you know, avoid distractions and all that stuff and get your team ready to play. But, you know, if, if Nebraska goes out and lays an egg against Illinois, it's going to be rough. I mean, this is fan base, but it would be rough from this fan base regardless if, you know, this story today had happened or not. I think people just want to see on the, on the field progress and that's what it all comes down to. I read that Scott Frost is lawyered up and there's the 20 million, $25 million buyout. I think 20 to protect their, what's his relationship like with Trev Alberts? Like as you're, as you're telling us, this is not as, as, as coolish as it seems. Trev Alberts just got here. Why did Bill Moose suddenly retire? And do you think Trev Alberts has any, like he, does, does he want Scott Frost to be his long-term coach? You think? Uh, I, I can't say if that, or not. Trev, Trev plays it close to the vest as you would expect him to. I think he, you know, you're talking about a guy who was a great Husker player himself, Trev Alberts. He won the butt kiss and he was on the team in 93 as a senior that almost beat a great Florida State team with Charlie Ward in the national title game, came up just short and sort of set the stage for Nebraska's, you know, dynasty run in the mid 90s. So that this is a guy, what's interesting about him is he's been working down the road for the last 12, 13 years as he was the athletic director at UNO, Nebraska, Omaha. And uh, he did not say a lot in the last 10 years about Husker football, even when he could have, and he was obviously reachable and in the area. He was not a guy to be out front and offer opinions on this is bad or this is good. Um, So it's very much, I think, in his personality to not give away his cards at all. And I feel like that's probably a, a distinction from the guy who was here previously, Bill Moose, who was very much a chatterbox, probably, you know, spoke out a turn a few too many times. And I can't say right here on the air for sure why why he left or why it ended when he it did, but he got a substantial, you know, package situation himself on the way out of like three million dollars to finish out his contract right then and there. And uh that was it. And that's, that's really all we know. He's at his ranch in Montana now. And uh, he was supposed to have a contract that he, if he finished out his deal that would have run through uh, next year, the through 22, I think that might've been the end for him regardless. Cause you know, he was getting older in age and this was sort of his last stop in the profession before retiring. Trev Alberts, everybody hopes is sort of the guy who is the AD for, you know, 15, 20 years, like where they found their, their guy, their, their Gene Smith or whoever you want to say, who's just been around forever at a place and, and, and stays there. That that's the hope here is that they get some stability in the athletic director chair 
what he thinks mm-hmm. of Scott Frost, we don't know, but he has had a lot of, uh, you know, conversations with them since they've been there and uh, has, you know, at least publicly expressed a lot of support for him. But, you know, that's uh, that's not unusual in these situations. No, not at all. Is there anything we're forgetting here before I let you go, Brian? I thought about asking about the Oklahoma-Nebraska game, but that and, you know, who, who leaked that they're trying to get out or whatever, that doesn't feel totally pertinent to this matter. It's just a nice spare headline. But you think we've covered it? Is there there anything I forgot to ask you? No, I I think you did. I covered it. I mean, let's face it. Nebraska's record has allowed them to be an easy target right now. And there, there's, I think there's a lot of intrigue on the outside. Like what happened there? You know, like people are just like, are they going to ever get, get dust themselves off and fight back or where, where, what's, what's going on. And so I get it when people on the outside, look at this program, they're saying, this is, this is so far from what I, I knew of them, you know, growing up or whatever. And uh, this fan base is not, unrealistic. They're not asking for a conference title or some of the stuff that they, I think sometimes people act like Nebraska fans expect it to be 1995 all the time. They don't, but they expect a team that's competent on the field and plays hard. And, you know, they don't expect to not to be home for bowl games like they've been the last four years. So they need to win seven or so games and try to build from there. That's sort of like where the the mark I think they need to hit. And that Illinois game is going to be a monster with a lot of people watching because it's week zero and it's one of the only games on. So it, and this kind of, I guess to the outside observer probably spices it up a little bit. So it'll be interesting. Thanks to Brian for joining us and humoring my conspiracy theory. We hung up and he said, Hey, I, I could be wrong. We'll see. We will absolutely see. And as he mentioned that week zero game against Illinois, a little over a week away, everyone was already going to be watching that because there's nothing else on that week. And, uh, who doesn't love a grudge match between Scott Frost and Brett Bielema? Now Scott Frost has a lot more to coach for. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Have a great day. We'll talk to you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.